Hello and welcome to Wired Foresight. I'm Greg Williams. I'm the editor of Wired. Today's session is part of an ongoing series of conversations with leading figures and innovative thinkers in business, science, technology, academia and policy to really investigate the changes that the coronavirus crisis has brought upon us, to explore how the world will be shaped in the coming months and years, and most importantly, to understand how we can prepare for those changes. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome John Mader, the American technologist, designer, engineer, artist, investor, author, and teacher. So John has had what, uh, what could be described as a multi-hyphenate career. He really is a truly interdisciplinary thinker. So he started off uh, his career at the MIT Media Lab at the intersection of computer science and visual arts before moving on uh, to be president of the Rhode Island uh, School of Design, before then moving on to uh, venture capital firm, story venture capital firm, uh, Kleiner Perkins. And since then he's held leadership positions, senior leadership positions at Automatic, uh, the parent company of WordPress, and he's now Chief Experience Officer at Publicist Sapient, uh, the technology uh, consulting and delivery arm of the communications and marketing conglomerate Publicist. He's also the author of several books, including The Laws of Simplicity and Redesigning Leadership, and his talks at events around the world have been seen by millions and millions of people. John, welcome along to Wide Insights Expert Briefings. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Greg. Great to be here with the team. Thank you, John, for joining us. So um, let's start with the report. Um, next month, uh, you're releasing it. It examines business in the computational area, and it looks at the implications of how computation's transforming customer experience. So maybe as so many of us right now are working from home, we can, we can look at it maybe from the perspective of the organization or organizations. So collaboration obviously is a word that's very commonly used in organizations and it's generally used as a kind of synonym for working together. I'd love to start by just getting your thoughts on how you think about collaboration. Well, I think Collaboration is built on top of cooperation. Cooperation is that easy thing you can do when you're like together or near each other. And yeah. then if you trust each other, you can collaborate. That's what makes this whole remote work COVID era hard because everyone thinks they're collaborating, but they're actually just cooperating. Yeah. I always think that remote working though sounds like it's, you know, someone's been exiled. Um, how should we be thinking about the ways in which teams can, can work remotely together, not just to do the, the job in hand, but also uh, to have that kind of that human element that, that really is the, the kind of the spark to a lot of business uh, insight? Well, the, the first thing, because I worked all remote for three years at Automatic, which is the largest of its kind that works all distributed. And the CEO there, Matt Mullenweg, would always say, remote work and distributed work are different. Okay. And so remote works means working away from work. Um, distributed work means working the way we're trying to work right now. And the distributed work part, the hard part about it is that when everyone's working remote, you get lonely. Yeah. So mental health issues are really important to consider. And so when we talk about this emotional piece of work, it's this feeling of trust, this bond, this esprit de corps, People are missing that right now, and it impacts their mental health. So that's sort of like the first concern that I have in general right now. Any thoughts on how managers can, can, can counter that? How do, you, how do you work with people to ensure that, as you, you say, that esprit de corps is maintained? 
Well, you know, one thing um, like we've been noticing at Publicis Sapient is there's lots of like get togethers, drink togethers, bar like moments, et cetera. But those feel kind of like work, you know, because they are using work technology. Sure. So one thing that uh, one of my vice presidents, Wendy Johansson, just started is a practice from Google Ventures called Anxiety Party. Which anxiety party sounds, anxiety sounds party. like a lot of parties I've been to. Um, it's an anonymous board where anyone can post their anxiety. And it gets pretty stressful reading it, but it's very real. Okay. And so I visit it every day to kind of get in touch with people's real feelings, their real emotional hardship. Mm. Wait, wait for leaders to be really in touch with their teams, I believe. Is there anything on there? I mean, I'm, I'm not asking you to share kind of specific, yeah. but is there anything on there that you, you, you were surprised by or that you, you, any learning you can share from that? Oh my gosh. I mean, when I say surprise, it's because I can only see everything through my own narrow viewpoint. Yeah. Everything from I'm concerned that my spouse's visa will be revoked and I'll right. no longer be able to be with them to, you know, I have uh, asthma and this really makes me concerned or sure. uh, my, my mother, I can't get to see her. Uh, just every possible thing that I might not think about every day uh, appears. And that's something that I'm grateful for because I can then shift my behavior patterns as a leader. Um, yeah. That honesty is really important. So you're really seeing under the hood about how your, your team is, is, you know, what's going on and, you know, in the way that you probably otherwise wouldn't, right? So there are things obviously like this going on in people's lives. Obviously, it's, it's all exacerbated now. But so maybe this is a way of people in the long term beginning to share their emotional lives in ways that are constructive and allow managers and allow, uh, you know, team leaders to really have an impact on them. Maybe. I mean, at the same time, though, there's uh, certain people's anxieties are this makes me this increases my anxiety reading these things. So there's like yeah. a, uh, one of my team members said, make sure you know anything you talk about it, say content warning, because, again, everyone experiences these things differently. Yeah. So yeah. that's something I'm sort of learning to modulate. Yeah, well, I think I think that that, that makes sense because we're all looking at everything from a, a very narrow lens this, this yep. way these days so let's maybe talk a little bit about software um, yeah. um you know you mentioned the parties on zoom feeling like oh we're, we're we're all you know using work software do you think that in some degree talking about organizations do you think software sometimes can get in the ways because organizations tend to see software as a solution to everything and do you think that really you know we think about efficiency when we really should be talking about productivity mm. Um, I think there's this difference between efficiency and effectiveness. This is something yeah. that uh, Roger L. Martin, formerly of Rotman, talks a lot about, mm -hmm. about how business has made things so efficient that it's actually lost the ability to be effective. So right. if you think about this remote work era, the companies that are advantaged are the ones that put in uh, better IT systems to prepare for it. And those who didn't are kind of like, oh my gosh, we have to catch up and digitally transform right now. Yeah. So efficiency was a good idea, but effectiveness is the paradigm that we're all after. Yeah, and I think that actually that plays quite interestingly into this whole idea of resilience that we're seeing, particularly mm -hmm. as it applies to sort of supply chains. So obviously we have, we've had for the many years this kind of uh, just-in-time model uh, for yep. supply chains. Uh, and clearly yeah. it's not as resilient as we would like it to be. 
Well, it's, it's actually much more efficient to your point, and it's amazing how it operates, but no one expected this to occur. Isn't it strange how all these global pandemic movies are so like dramatized, but no one asks questions about toilet paper or like the internet, or <laughs> it's just like they totally miss the interesting plot lines. Yeah, exactly. They, 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 we didn't get the bit about toilet paper or, or oat milk or whatever. Didn't um, happen. So let's let's talk a little bit about customer experience. You've got yep. the report coming out next mm-hmm. month. Um, obviously, we're living in a world where customer experience more than ever is, is being delivered digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, c- can you give me a sense yep. of how that is impacting the organizations you work mm-hmm. with? I mean, really specifically, I guess the fact mm-hmm. that in the last month, even if they weren't delivering it mainly digitally, they do mm-hmm. now. Mm. Uh, I think the challenge in the customer experience industry is it doesn't make a lot of sense because yes, you have to care about your customer. Yes, you have to care about your employees. It's quite abstract. Yeah. And the reason why we talk about it isn't because the customer experience, the paradigm has shifted. It's the fact that computation has landed. And by virtue of having giant clouds that can have this surveillance network around us that pull data out of us and push it back into them, the computational experience is what we're living in. And this shift to C19 has made everyone realize suddenly we're at home and so easily tracked, it's unbelievable. Like all our transactions are now surveilled so easily. So the computational experiences that'll come in two years from now are going to be spookily good because they will know so much about us yeah but you said you use the word spookily do you think that maybe there might be some <laughs> is that a work on that? <laughs> oh uh i i'm glad there is going to be pushback if we can create more education and right. i think that this is going to result in a lot of blowback that will result in better education and not just schools but also just general society i really admire what europe has done to sort of build awareness around how privacy is at risk. And now more than ever, it's gonna be at risk globally. And that's a concern. Do you think though that people are willing to make that trade off? People are willing to say, you know what? I, I, I really was finding it problematic that all my movements were being tracked and all my online activities were, were, were parceled up and sold off to uh, the highest bidder. Uh, but actually, if this is a public health matter, I'm happy for drones <laughs> to be in the sky monitoring people's, uh, you know, temperature so that we, we, we try and uh, mm. limit the spread of this virus. Oh my gosh, it's so good you bring this up because actually the, um, I think it's the FDP, <laughs> FD interviewed me on something. I'm not sure if it, my comment will go out correctly, but I was asked like, oh, this contact tracing thing, what do you think? What is your real opinion on should Apple and Google do this? And I said, no. Oh, do you mean that it's bad or whatever? No, no, because, um, you know, yes, there's a trade-off in lives versus technology, but no, I don't want that. But if they do it, I want there to be a kill switch. And I want lawyers to be involved in the end user license agreement. So at least we're right. trying to stop the surveillance system. Uh, yeah. Because it, 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 it's going to come, but we have to push back on it with the right instruments. And for this case, I love lawyers because lawyers can, they're the, they're the writers of code of humanity. And can they write safety into our laws? They can try. I want people to try. Sure. And I think that that's, that's, that balance is really, really hard to achieve. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about place. You know, we've talked about, uh, you know, distributed work uh, and, and remote work. Um, 
obviously we're moving this shift from physical to remote working. Do you think it's going to become permanent in the sense that organizations are going to see it as effective and um, behaviors will change? Mm -hmm. Or do you think that as soon as we're, you know, freed from lockdown, we're all going to return to behaving the way that we were previously? Um, You know, I, I think things will go back to the way they were, even though I think that, I hope that some things do remain. I think that you, I, or others will be still asked to get on a plane and mm-hmm. be there tomorrow. I think that's still going to happen. Yeah. But I think the tremors that are going to be coming after this, after recover, of asking, are we more digitally prepared this time, mm-hmm. are going to have landed. And we may want to keep those drills in place so we don't lose the competencies we will develop during this era. Because right. anything can happen, we know now. So do you see this as like a, almost like a digital augmentation for whatever comes next? I think it's that first sort of earthquake we never experienced or thought it could ever happen. Right. And we're just now going to be much more aware and more ready for it. Yeah. And, and that notion of place, I know it's something that you've, you've thought about. Um, yeah. you know, we traditionally see, you know, this is the office environment. Do you think that um, the work from home, remote working is going to change that, for instance, could place kind of mean actually, you know, where we're collaborating online or, or, or the software that we're using? I think definitely. Well, if anything, you know, when I created the CX report appendix, I sort of pushed it out before the, the main report to focus on remote work. Yeah. One, re- one realization I had that didn't occur to me is how Matt Mullenweg, CEO of Automatic, would always say async, async, asynchronous is important. Because the problem with synchronous is we have to be here at the same time, Mm. which actually is a lot of work. But if we can work asynchronous better, right? I'm sure through your organization, you can farm out work and have it done, fire and forget. That's better than going to all the meetings around it. So asynchronous work distributed, I think that that might evolve. If that evolves, we're going to see a lot of um, not just efficiency, but effectiveness impact from this remote work reset that we're in right now. Yeah, that's interesting. And I guess that means that you can kind of re- re- operate over, you know, all kinds of timeframes and also uh, geographies as well. So that you can really think about the way that the work is distributed across uh, various territories. Um, yeah. uh, these changes, do you, do you uh, organizations tend to be, you know, tough to change? Uh, they tend to like to work, you know, the way they always have done. Do you think that really meaningful changes are going to happen within organizations over the next sort of, you know, few months once we begin to sort of come out of this period? I, I, I think definitely we're just going to be more ready for when this happens, but we're not going to change a lot because when you think about it, presence is about ego sort of. Mm-hmm. I need to see you now. Yeah. I mean, right now in my office or in my building. And that's how you prove you're accountable. So I can see you aren't looking at seven other windows at the same time. You're looking at me. So there's a kind of ego piece that I think will not go away. I think what can actually transform how we move this paradigm is a a little more ego-less world, which I don't think uh, business schools teach well. I went to business school and they didn't teach us that. So I I worry about that piece uh, (laughs) not sinking in. And that idea of the asynchronous uh, 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 organization or the, or the way that work, workers can uh, cooperate best together. Um, 
Do you think that maybe customer service is going to be impacted by that? Meaning that uh, customers will now be far more relaxed or, or used to, I should say, um, working with, uh, yeah, you know, brands in terms of like their digital customer service. So like they won't necessarily need, you know, to have someone call someone in wherever, you know, in, in East Asia or wherever, they'll be much more relaxed about like not having to speak to someone at that moment that they, they can do this transaction in another way uh, that maybe can be done in a digital uh, fashion. I, mean, I definitely think the customer support industry is now advantaged. Like I saw some press release about how some companies now realize I'll just have my customer support people at home. This yeah. works fine. So that's happening as we speak. And I think it will stick based upon cost and expectation of that profession. Um, that said though, I think there will be some people who want to see a face, a friendly face, and that matters. Sure. 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 I guess, I guess also that means, you know, all kinds of technologies that we can employ, whether that's uh, AR or VR, will start coming into play. I wanted to talk to you about those kinds of technology, especially looking at it from the perspective of a designer. So designers have been thinking about two-dimensional visual interfaces for such a long time. Um, we're still not quite there with consumer applications for those kinds of technologies. Um, do you think that that's where inevitably this uh, experience is going to lead us, right? Other forms of design in sound, AR, VR are going to become uh, accelerated because there's going to be an anticipation that people are not going to, are going to be, uh, as you say, distributed and uh, thinking about uh, um, communicating in different ways. I'm definitely bullish on VR. I think I've been waiting for 50 years for it to become something. And I'm fascinated by Mozilla Hubs, which is an open source approach. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, huh, it's weird, but the web was weird too. There were only JPEGs and GIFs and text. So, so I'm trying Mozilla Hubs out. I definitely, the resolution will increase and maybe some of this um, being natural to connect remotely may spill over to that much quicker, especially with gaming technology too, which is super high, high def. I can sure. see that happening. When do you think there's going to be a breakthrough consumer application though? Is that, is that within the next five years or is it beyond that? Oh, I think definitely there's going to be so many companies funded on AR, VR right now. It's just because our sensibilities have shifted and we're more hyper aware of a different environment where, you know, it was always like mobile, mobile, mobile. Now you're like stuck, stuck, stuck. Yeah. So yeah. who cares if you have mobile ready tech? Um, sure. So how do you have stationary tech is going to be a, a paradigm. Stationary tech, yeah, I'd like that. So yeah, right, so this is the, almost like the antithesis of this mobile world we've been living in recently. How do we actually create rich experiences in, in, a, sing, in, in a single place? Um, so I'd like to just look forward um, for, the, for the rest of the conversation, John, just mm -hmm. to kind of get your sense of where you think we're gonna be in the next sort of six months to a year, particularly with, you know, we're gonna be going through this transition from an, an enforced period of working at home um, probably mm -hmm. within the next, you know, three to six months. Uh, how do you think managers need to best oversee this as we go from this really kind of big experiment, really, that we've all been part of to more, you know, back to the, the traditional way of, of working in offices? Mm. Well, I think that just leaders in general have to be in touch with the pulse of the world and how it's shifting and changing 
and recognizing that each country, each city is responding differently. And when you live in a social media bubble, remembering that you're getting algorithmically optimized news. So you don't see like everything. Yeah. Um, like if you just watch news, if you're a liberal, you're like, oh my gosh, those people are like stopping the supply chains because they're not intelligent. But then that's just a narrow sliver of people who are quote unquote, not in that sort of like coastal, whatever. They're like, just like us and they have problems. And we, we're seeing these sort of slivers of society kind of like amplified. And then only through, by doing that, can we understand the full customer base as leaders mm. and managers of companies. So just being broad as we can, recognizing that we're being hyper-targeted at the same time. That's how we prepare. Okay, that, that's, that's good advice. But say there's a vaccine for COVID-19 in the next years, mm -hmm. in the next year or so. Do you think really it's just going to be business as usual once, once there actually is real freedom for things to return to normal? No, I think definitely not. Um, if you remember the, nine, the terrible 9-11 era or any country that's experienced war, it's just like you don't quite become, be, be, you can't become the same person again. So yeah. we'll all be affected. Uh, I'm sure you're worried like I am about this whole service sector of people who cannot work from home. Sure. Like there's a whole population that can't do that work. And so like that's what I'm most concerned about. Sure. I think we've seen a whole, uh, you know, sort of strata of the workforce that has uh, done incredible uh, work over the past month or so, who, are, who generally are not people who get the recognition that they deserve. So um, mm. I think that's going to be interesting if we're going to start seeing more equality uh, throughout the, uh, the workplace and more recognition uh, for people yeah. who maybe uh, haven't had it in the past. I mean, you think about it, like, I remember Wired Magazine when it first came out. My boss, Nicholas Negroponte, wrote the, um, the, the, the uh, back of the magazine column for so many yeah. years. And it was this era at the Media Lab at MIT where no one cared about this stuff. Only the most, quote unquote, intellectual, whatever, digerati could. Yeah. I don't think there was enough thought about the social implications that we're seeing right now of those who yeah. are not wired. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think that, that we, we're, what we're seeing now is, is some, of the, uh, some of the impact of that thinking. And I, I think that, you know, there will probably be some kind of pushback on that in the, in the coming months and years as people see that actually they really do need that delivery. They do need the supermarkets open. They do yeah. need, uh, you know, people doing these, these jobs that are often forgotten and almost kind of invisible uh, yep. as, as other people who don't work in those sectors sometimes uh, don't appreciate. And, and Greg, I'm really glad we could talk about things that are non-computational, like service workers. I yeah. grew up in a service working family. Yeah. I knew their life. I can tell you know that too. So let's not forget them in this strange era where we've entered right now. Yeah, John, I, I completely agree with that. I think that maybe one of the things that we're going to see uh, in the coming months and years is a realignment so that service workers... Uh, do get, uh, I think, rewarded in ways that are, are more in line with the, the work that they do. Um, I think for so long, um, so many tech companies have just built platforms that effectively leverage uh, the opportunity for uh, cheap labor. And I think that what we'll see is, is large organizations actually thinking a lot more about returning value to the people who work for them uh, and returning uh, value, I think, to, to the broader sort of, you know, for broader societal impact um, you know, profit and purpose, uh, rather than just trying to uh, leverage uh, as much sort of shareholder value as they can and return, um, you know, dividends to shareholders. Um, so hopefully, 
uh, we're going to see some some real appreciation and and uh, hopefully a more equal society uh, um, in the coming months and years. Um, John, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. Um, enjoy the conversation as usual. We look forward to reading the report when it's published. Um, and thank you to uh, our viewers out there, the Wired Insights Expert Briefing audience, uh, for joining us. Um, take care. Thank you, Greg. Bye, John. Thank you. Goodbye.